nobody was going to give you credibility in the community or take you serious if you just showed up without any kind of a lineage of like, who was your teacher and who was your teacher's teacher? And those things were kind of important then to people. So it couldn't be like you could just show up like we do now on social media and slap on a costume and Mm. shake and wiggle and practice on your own at home and, and then call yourself a professional. Welcome to Belly Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full-time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including belly dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories secrets and tips with you guys welcome to balance live podcast and uh, i'm very excited about uh, today talk i uh, already feel it will be very interesting because we have uh, one of the most inspiring and uh, famous ballet dancers, Sadie. <laughs> she had done so much in terms of ballet dance uh, performances as well as ballet dance uh, training programs that I lost even count of all the things that I uh, saw during uh, following her all those years as well as doing my own research. But just uh, a few highlights of her activities so far. Uh, so she has produced dozens of best-selling instructional videos as well as she has represented the art of oriental dance in front of millions of viewers on the hit show America's Got Talent. Also, uh, she's founder and director of uh, uh, two projects, Rux Flow and Rux Online, which is training programs that I'm very excited to talk about during this uh, interview today, as well as she has a clothing line of athletic uh, dancewear and uh, she produces a variety of uh, destination dance retreats around the world. Also, aside from dance, uh, she has a deep passion and commitment to living and creating a holistic, sustainable lifestyle and world. And uh, she loves to combine her passions in her retreats, bringing the power of nature, dance, music, conscious living and human connections all together. So please welcome to our podcast, uh, beautiful Sadia. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Yana, for such a sweet introduction. It's kind of fun to hear hear all the things that I'm up to because I forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good reminder. And I'm sure I probably didn't mention even half of the things that you accomplished <laughs> so far. But to start our conversation, can you please take us quickly to the very beginning and Tell our listeners, please, how did ballet dance became part of your life? Because I'm sure many of the dancers, they follow and know you now, but they may not know the very beginnings of of this dance journey. Yeah, well, it appears that my very first fascination with belly dancing started at a very young age when I was about 10 years old. And I told my mother that I wanted to be a belly dancer for Halloween. Mm. So I was young. I, I don't know where that came from. She doesn't either because she doesn't have any memory of us being a belly dancer anywhere or something like this. So 
I have pictures. I was about 10 years old celebrating Halloween here in the United States and my um, kind of belly dancer-ish costume. And my brother was a dinosaur that year, which is funny because my brother actually is pursuing a degree in paleontology, which is digging up dinosaur bones. (laughs) And I am here, I am a belly dancer. So that was my very first, um, you know, recollection that I have of having some fascination with this idea of belly dancing. And then when I was about 18, I, I had the fascination again. And I ended up looking in my local phone book because this was in 1995, 96. So it was really before any social media. And it was even before dancers were really using the internet to promote themselves yet. So at least where I live here, people were still putting their classes and their studios in the phone book. And some people listening to this might not even know what a phone book is, but um, I had to look through the yellow pages of the phone book to find dance classes. And then I found a couple listings for belly dance and I called to get the brochure, brochure that was mailed to me in the mail. And then I signed up for the classes and the rest was kind of history. I really fell in love immediately and sort of felt like I found the place that I needed to be and wanted to be and found a place that I could really express myself. So from that moment, I kind of stuck with it. You know, I had my ups and downs where I would take a break and I I went to school and college and I was getting into some other things here and there, but I always came back to belly dance and it never, I was never able to fully let go of it or get it out of my life. So my early years just kind of started with a really intriguing fascination of, you know, what is this? I could tell it was something so special and so unique, and there wasn't a whole lot of information about it. Certainly not like there is today. You can't do a Google search about, at that time, you couldn't do a Google search for everything you wanted to know. And at that time, we didn't have even a quarter of the scholars and the academics that we have compiling the research that has been done now in the last 20 years. So it was really this fascinating, intriguing topic and dance that just had so much mystery around it that I really wanted to dive deep and get to know as much about it as I possibly could. Mm. But it's also so fascinating to hear your story of Halloween costumes, both for you and your uh, brother. It's uh, so funny how often we know unconsciously uh, already what we want to do, what is our passion, even before we sort of find out it consciously. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Because I'm really, I've tried, like, what did I see or what happened that would have inspired me to want to be a belly dancer at 10 years old for Halloween? And I I still just can't seem to figure it out. Mm. So for now, it remains a mystery. (laughs) Well, we are very lucky with such mystery. (laughs) Good you decided to pursue it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also know that you have a very funny story with your first YouTube video. Uh, I remember you was mentioning years ago that I was um, attending one of your workshops that you uh, suddenly found out yourself on YouTube one day. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's it's really fascinating that I sort of came up uh, in my training, but also in my profession right before, just before any social media became popular. So um, I was just getting my start and I was just starting to perform around the United States, outside of my city where I live, and then just starting to get invitations internationally and everything 
just before YouTube happened. So in me, um, not being a really tech savvy person, not being a person that's all that interested to engage in social media on really deep levels. I mean, I find it very uh, useful and, and I appreciate it, but I'm just not the kind of person who's like, yeah, I want to be on social media all the time. So um, I didn't know even what YouTube was. And I had a friend at a show I was performing at one of my local events here. And he was also a performer and he, he knew about YouTube and he said, Hey, did you know that you have a YouTube video with like, at the time, I guess I had maybe almost a million views or something on it. And I'm like, mm. what is YouTube and what are you talking about? So my first initial inclination was I was a little bit um, offended because I didn't know what YouTube was. And I didn't know how there was a video of me on this thing called YouTube without my permission. So then I went and I checked out what was YouTube. And it was one of the first belly dance videos that was put up with um by a woman that called herself belly bunny and i don't know if this woman is still active on there but you know she posted a video of me and she posted some videos of dina and a couple other videos that were some of the first belly dance videos that got posted on youtube um and yeah so it was a, it was just an interesting kind of like oh what is this youtube and what is this and i just didn't know how i felt about it i thought it was a little bit of an invasion of privacy and then uh, that just continued to happen. I mean, over the years, more and more videos went up and I'm sure many dancers have had the same similar experience now where it's kind of a double-edged sword. There's, you get this free promotion and it's nice if people have promoted you on there, but at the same time, I think there's just such a um, egregious trend going on in social media where people just take content and steal content and post things without permission. And it's still something that I feel not so, so happy about, you know, so it is a double-edged sword. And that was kind of how that happened. My initial experience with YouTube. However, I can't really complain because it did end up to go viral and it ended up being a great promotional tool for me. So those were my first introductions with YouTube. <laughs> That's also so interesting to sort of keep a track of how the tendencies uh, changes over time because as you mentioned you start uh, receiving international invitations and performances to teach and uh, to shows even before you start putting anything out on social media and today i kind of feel that many dancers put too much attention on social media and use it as a promotion because it's a great promotional tool but i Try to imagine how it would be for many of dancers if there was no such thing as social media. So can you tell us, please, share, uh, share what you think was the key or how your professional development took place uh, when you transformed from student or just dancing for yourself to the level that you are already teaching or having dance as your profession and going to perform and teach internationally? How was that transition looked for you? So it sounds like there's a couple questions there. Um, I guess I'll start first with my professional transition and then sort of mm -hmm. speak a little bit about how dancers engage with reaching their audience because that's kind of what that question refers to. So um, for me, it was a very, very natural progression. And in fact, I didn't have any agenda or motive to actually really be a professional at, at belly dance. It just wasn't my motivation at first. And I was kind of pursuing other career goals. And 
I guess I just didn't even know what that would look like or what kind of a possibility there was in that. Um, you know, the whole community globally and internationally was much smaller when I was, when I had started, there's still a huge following, but, um, it was kind of like the festival circuit was, you know, I, I think the amount of festivals we have now is you could never even know. I mean, it's like every weekend in every country and every city, there's like several festivals. I mean, it wasn't like that when I started, there was a couple mm-hmm. of really well-known festivals around the world that were the most popular ones that were the pilgrimage that dancers from all over the world would come to like Rakasa and, you know, belly dancer of the universe and things like that. So Mm. it was just a much more condensed community to know like, Hey, that's the place to go if you want to get seen. And Hey, that's the place to go if you want to do this competition. So it was a little bit easier to navigate at the time. And I think it was, it was, much more grassroots in terms of like, you kind of needed to get, you didn't have to, but you sort of had to have a little bit of a lineage um, because nobody was going to give you credibility in the community or take you serious. If you just showed up without any kind of a lineage of like, who was your teacher and who was your teacher's teacher. And those things were kind of important then to people. So it couldn't be like, you could just show up like we do now on social media and slap on a costume and, Mm shake and wiggle and practice on your own at home and, and then call yourself a professional. Um, I think it's kind of similar if you think of like martial arts or things too, is like the lineage of your, your teacher is really important and to have that respect and to actually consider it an honor to share that lineage. Whereas nowadays it's kind of like almost people don't want to share it. And I don't know why, because maybe they want to take the credit for everything and they don't want to give credit back to their teacher, which then means the credit goes back to the original source of the culture as well. So I think there's a lot of issues with that. Um, Mm -hmm. My teachers, I I did receive all the blessings of my teachers. So had it not been for a couple of pivotal teachers in my life, I don't think I would be a professional because they actually pushed me. They were the ones who pushed me. And in fact, one of my teachers, you know, got me a job at the first restaurant I danced in. And she also got me the job that got me the viral YouTube video and my first belly dance DVD. So when she went to California, she told the big promoters there like, Hey, you got to check my student out. She's really good. So they contacted me and because of my teacher. And then also I had another teacher here locally who had a, a business doing booking talent and dancers out on different corporate events and local gigs and, fairs and different things like that. And she used to get me a lot of jobs as well, but I had to go through her training program in order to do that because for her, I was representing her company. And so in order to do that, I had to be a professional and I had to behave in a certain way. So, you know, there was this really strong responsibility to the community and to your teacher and to a lot of things that I think students don't have any, a lot of students don't feel that responsibility anymore. So, and then on top of that, I did take some, you know, I was a little ambitious as well. There came a point where I said, hey, this is getting kind of fun and I'm getting more confident. You know, I was really young and a little shy to begin with. So I started to build my confidence in myself. And then I started to pursue some of the other opportunities, like dancing on the Rakasa open stage and going to some of the competitions. And and that was where I got seen. That was where 
Susie Evans of IMED and Mahair of Hollywood Music Center and BellyDance.com and people like that, they would see me for the first time. And then they invited me to do more opportunities. So a lot of the opportunities and networking was really organic. It was done in person, you know, or maybe you would send a submission, but I feel like it was just so much more organic. It was that you had to be somewhere, you had to show up and you had to participate in the community. So if I wanted the community to see me and take me serious, I had to show up to where the community was going to be, which was one of these big festivals, put myself out there and work hard and show how hard I had Mm -hmm. been working and have the people say yes or no to whether or not I looked like I could go to the next level. And it was kind of putting yourself out there on the chopping block in a way to be um, voted by your peers, but also those within the community who were making things happen to say, yes, I want to work with you. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I, you know, it was what it was for me at the time. And I felt really connected to, to that process and to, like I said, the responsibility of that process. So it was quite different. And then when social media hit, um, I don't feel that process almost at all anymore. So um, again, as I said, I don't know that it's good or bad. It was just sort of the, the way it was when I came up and we all have our modalities of how, how we reach our audience. So even before I came on the scene, you know, my teachers had to reach their audience. And so it's kind of this combination of getting your blessings from your community and having your community support you and integrate you into the community. But then it's also finding a way to create opportunities for yourself. So I always had to create opportunity for myself too. I mean, there would never have been enough jobs to make a career or a living out of this had I not created my own opportunities. Mm. And then you have to grow with the times. I mean, times are changing super fast. I mean, they cha- they have been changing fast even since I started, but now it just seems like every couple of years we have a new way that we have to be able to reach our audience, that we have to engage in reaching our audience. And so uh, it's really important that you are reaching your, your audience or you may not have a job. So if people are wanting to do this as a career, they have to take some time and understanding how you reach your audience. And so I don't, I, I don't know if that answers your other question about how, you know, cause the way that I did it is different from how girls are, or dancers are having to do it today with the social media. There's so much competition. There's just a lot more competition now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely answers. And I absolutely agree with you that uh, there is uh much more competition at least it feels i'm not really sure if there is really much competition because every generation regardless of profession or things we always complain or uh, things get worse or there is more competition but at least visually because of social media it's something that we see more and more and it feels as if there is more competition but i'm sure that even uh, before social media, it still was quite tough and it just was different, let's say, market. So there's different rules that you still need sort of to follow and figure out. But one thing that I really loved from what you said, what caught my attention is that we need to create our own opportunities. And uh, I kind of feel that you are really on top of it all the time because uh, even though in the beginning of your career, as you mentioned, you were not much on Uh, social media uh, or technology side of dance but now seeing all your activities I kind of feel that you embrace all of them and uh, uh, first of all it probably started with uh, instructional videos 
and you briefly mentioned about first your first uh, uh, video recording but uh, I'd like to ask you <laughs> once again to go back and uh, uh, can you please tell us what was the push for your first uh, video class and how did it uh, felt back then to teach but teach via video not live <laughs> what was was it different was it I don't know nervous exciting <laughs> if you remember the very first recording you did Yeah, so that was kind of my medium. That was my platform of how I reached my audience was through DVDs. So going back again, when I went outside of Colorado and I went to the Ricasa Festival for like maybe my second time, that was when I caught the attention of Susie Evans of IMED and Mahair over at bellydance.com and both of them had invited me to make instructional videos with them, which were huge at the time. I mean, if I can put it into context, We're talking no problem selling 10 to 20,000 DVDs at that time. Mm. 10 to 20,000 DVDs. And if anybody remembers Vina and Nina, they were the best selling belly dance belly dancers of all time on DVD. They sold more than a million DVDs around the world. So that just tells you the power of that tool at that time. So when I got into that, um, that was the way to do it. And I came right in probably at the one of the peaks of it. And then it kind of just started to go downhill from there. But so my first experience with DVD, once again, I was I was shy and I was young and um, I was super shy. I think if you go back and you watch some of those early DVDs, one thing I can say with confidence is that I was always a good teacher. That's really my calling in life. My calling in life is to teach. Um, and I have a really unique teaching style where I'm able to reach people and make them feel like they can do it because that's, what's important to me. So, um, I think people always comment that, you know, I'm super down to earth and they feel like when they're learning from me that they can really, they really get the sense that they can do this no matter how hard it is. And so that's, that's really unique to me. And it's something that's really important in the way that I teach is I want people to show up and feel like, okay, I'm going to have to commit to this and work hard, but I know that I can do this and Sadie believes in me. And if I work hard, I know I can get this move or I know I can do this thing. So um, I think my DVDs were popular because of that. I think it was kind of a different approach to some of the ways that other teachers had presented their material. And I think everybody should have their own unique way of presenting whatever it is that they love to do. Right. So I did find my unique voice and my unique way of speaking to my unique audience. Um, that being said, it was a learning process and a learning curve. So, you know, my first DVD to what I'm doing now is like night and day uh, in terms of my presentation and my confidence levels. So, yeah, so I saw, I saw the big change from the DVD market, and that was also what got me a lot of jobs. So I actually would sell, you know, Mahair and Susie would be selling my DVDs internationally and I would get invitations from people in other countries around the world saying, hey, I just watched your drum solo DVD or this DVD and we loved you and we loved your teaching style. Would you come here and teach? And this was all before YouTube already still. So mm-hmm. um, so that that medium or that modality was already starting to work really well for me. And then came the change with the social media. So you know, social media became this new animal and way of marketing ourselves and promoting ourselves and reaching our audience. You know, and it was a slow progression, I think, starting with Facebook. Obviously, there was websites and stuff, but 
starting with Facebook and then, you know, and then we've seen, we've seen the changes now it's going to Instagram and other venues. And I think one of the biggest changes that the community is seeing now is the, the decline, the major decline of DVDs. I mean, there's just, I, I take my DVDs with me to sell them and I almost have to give them away now. It's almost like here, does somebody want a DVD as a gift? Hmm. And nobody's buying them and nobody even wants them. I had a student, she's like, I would love your DVD, but I don't even have a way to play the DVD anymore. So the technology has changed to a point where um, people can't even uh, use a DVD anymore. So they're just phasing all of that out. And so that, um, that modality is dead more or less. So, you know, it's time to move on to the next modality, which at this point seems to be online training. And so I don't think that that's going away anytime soon. What I am seeing with the online training world is the level of quality and professionalism. I think there's a lot of garbage out there. You know, there's just a lot of people slapping up something in their corner of wherever with a really low quality resolution and low sound and stuff like that. And I just think, I think you could get away with that for a while, but I don't think that's going to work very much longer because there's really professional, ambitious people taking this on in a very, very professional level. And they're going to be releasing the content in a way that, you know, the quality is going to win for sure. So this is the new wave. And I think anybody who's interested in that needs to take it very seriously because once you put something out there, it's out there and you know, it's not something you want to, you don't want to put your yourself out there in, in this new modality now, which is the online classes in a quality that's just not going to show up and represent you compared to what is already out there and what is coming out. So yeah, it's, it's, um, our work is so much more than just dancing. I really wish it was just dancing most of the time, but um, you know, you're not, if you're not Beyonce and you can't afford a team of people doing all that other stuff for you, which none of us can in belly dance, unfortunately um, your, your resort is you have to do it all yourself. Well, I guess uh, we come back. We need to create our own opportunities <laughs> by ourselves. But uh, you're also very engaged these days uh, in online teaching. And as far as I know, for a long time already, I saw uh, your classes uh, at least, I would say, four years ago already. And probably it was not the beginning. <laughs> it was already before that. With online teaching, how do you find people, I mean, students react on the idea or possibility of studying online? Because, I don't know, there is still, it's became popular, but I find there is still a lot of resistance and uh, inquiries of how, what do you mean, study online, dance, like, how do you find, uh, in your experience, how how people usually react on the idea of studying online, and how do you see advantages and disadvantages of uh, studying dance online? Well, for me, I'm not teaching locally where I live. So I don't have a studio um, because I travel so much. So for me, the online platform has been um, the only way that I can commit to regular class times with students from around the world. Um, For me, it has worked pretty well because of that, because people know that that's really the only way that they can train with me unless they come to a workshop or one of my training programs. But that's not something that I'm offering on a regular basis. So, um, but there is resistance. Um, I think nothing, nothing. And I, and I want to make that very clear, even in my 
my preference is that I would prefer to teach in person. Nothing is ever going to replace that to have a person, the energy, the connection, um, you know, there's actually, I have discovered that there is a transmutation of information, a transmission of information from body to body when you're in the vicinity of somebody that you're not going to get from online. And even with the best cameras and the best platform and everything else, it's still really hard to engage with somebody on that level to really see them and really feel them and really just have that energetic exchange. Like I said, that you can really get deep into what personal one-on-one teaching can offer. So I think that there's some resistance because of that. I think there's resistance because of people get fed up with the technology glitches and the things that can happen. And I think one of the important uh, big things is that people lose motivation. So if you don't have like somebody holding you accountable, like a class to show up to that you paid for and kind of that, that spirit, you know, that community tribe spirit of your friends and your sisters and your teacher, there backing mm-hmm. you like, yeah, we're all doing this it's fun and we're working towards this goal. Um, that's huge, you know? So I don't think that online training is ever, well, I don't know that I'll say ever. I'll never say never because you just don't know. I mean, if you watch any of the futuristic stuff now, it's showing that in 10 to 20 years, we're going to be holograms. We're just going to have like holographical avatars that show up for us. So I hope not, but I'll never say never. But what I'm saying is that um, even in my opinion, there is no online platform that will ever reach the quality of in-person So I know that there is that resistance, but I do think it's a second good option, just like DVDs were. It's a supplement. So, you know, if you think of eating your base meals for survival, you need this certain type of food, and then you can add your supplements in there to kind of optimize your diet and maybe give you a little extra energy and this and that. It's the same thing with the online training. I just think online training has replaced DVDs. So that's the way that I'm engaging with online. I see. Well, uh, I can only add that I kind of feel online uh, technologies, they provided so much opportunities for people to study that now there is no such excuse, oh, I don't have a a dance studio to go, I don't have a good teacher in my city. It's like uh, there is online classes and now you can study with anyone, absolutely. So that's another in my opinion, advantage of technologies, but it's very interesting to see the dynamics and difference between studying via screen sort of almost one-on-one even if there is a group online class but it's still you're just one on your own in your room and at the same time a contrast of going to the studio and feeling this tribe or support of the group in the room so it will be very interesting to see in a couple next years uh, the dynamics of how community changes (laughs) yeah yeah and I agree too I think it's it's wonderful that People can now just get on the internet and they can go take a class. And um, I think it's wonderful. And I hope that people are more motivated to do that, you know, that it's so easy now. And as you said, there is no excuse. There's a, and there's so much free content. There's so much free classes and content as well. So we really do just live in a time where everything is available and accessible to us. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough with that is I don't feel like, that necessarily means people are taking advantage of it. That's true. 
Also, I know that you're working on a new online project called Rux Online that will be launched uh, soon. <laughs> and it's uh, related to a training, online training. Can you please tell us a little bit, or at least what you can share <laughs> at this point about this uh, project and how different it will be from other either DVDs or online, other online training programs that you were involved or we see on the then scene right now? So um, the platform is called Rocks Online. And for me, it's replacing the work that I've been doing on Powhow for the last almost six years. So when you had asked before when I got on, I was actually one of the first belly dancers. I think there was three of us on Powhow when Powhow first started um, about six years ago. Mm -hmm. And... So yes, I've been doing this for a while now and it's been fun. It's been a great platform, but I have outgrown the platform. So I've had a lot of dreams and visions about what I want to be able to provide for my students and people who've come to train with me for the last six years online. Um, so that's really what Rocks Online is to me. I can't say that it, you know, I think what it really offers that's unique and different is me, all of me. It's my platform. I built it from the ground up with a team of people who, you know, really could see and hear my vision and bring it to life for me. So I'm not using another service. I'm not outsourcing somebody else's platform like Powhow to offer my stuff. I actually built this platform. I put my entire life savings into this. I don't even want to say how much, but it's been a lot and it's been a little scary, but I believe in it. And I believe that, um, for me, it's the absolute best way that I can share who I am as a person and a dancer and a mentor and a coach and a teacher and all of those things in one place. So we do have a lot of fun stuff. It is going to be quite different. It's not just going to be a belly dance platform. Um, obviously, as I said, my, my evolution as a dancer and a teacher over the last 20 years has been huge. So everything that's coming on the rocks online is all new content. It's basically, you know, the, the best that I have to offer at this point. And so I'm reshooting and refilming all my content. There's nothing there that anybody would have. So, you know, if they have DVDs with me or they've studied with me on Powhow, this is all brand new content. And it was, it's all been professionally filmed and recorded um, prior. So it's, it is the quality of the very best DVDs that were ever out there. And actually the, the quality is better. So the cameras and the setup that we're using is top of the line, very high quality professional equipment. So that's the good news. The sound and the visual and everything is going to be really, really amazing. Um, but you know, I'm just into so many other things now. Um, I have so many other interests and things in the way of movement and health and fitness that I'm going to be sharing and providing there at Rocks Online as well. In addition to people being able to access pre-recorded videos, we're going to be doing webinars. So we'll have probably bi-monthly webinars where um, the VIP members will get access to these webinars and we'll have different topics and interviews and just different, you know, we're going to be trying to create that community tribe feeling as much as we can in this space where people really feel like they have a space to go and that they can interact with me on a personal level and start to interact with the other students on a personal level. So that's something that's always really important to me is that hmm. connection and getting people together and getting people to create a strong community because without a strong community of people who are networking and 
meeting each other and seeing what everybody has to offer that's unique and different, we don't grow and we don't create a strong economy within our industry. So those things are really important to me. So that's a big aspect of what I want to bring to the platform. I have a lot of guest instructors um, in and outside of belly dance. So we're going to be bringing in a lot of specialty topics, world dance, a lot of fitness, a lot of yoga, a lot of Pilates. So just a lot, a lot of different things. And the ideas are are growing and growing. And basically anybody who likes what I do um, would love Rocks Online because they'll come and they'll really get to see my crazy imagination at work on the platform. That's very exciting. Uh, looking forward to seeing it. And I saw even on Instagram one of your posts that there will be even classes in Arabic uh, language, supposedly, right? <laughs> yep, we already filmed our first oh. Arabic language class. And so we're going to see how that goes and how people respond to that. Oh. And our our teacher has agreed to come and do as many classes as the people want. So if people are loving it and utilizing the service, then we'll make more. I will definitely add a link in the show notes to this podcast, at least to the Instagram account of uh, Rocks Online, so people can follow. But uh, anyway, can you tell uh, when is planned uh, uh, this project to be launched so people can expect at least <laughs> approximately? Is it uh, summer, spring, uh, fall? <laughs> So we're saying summer now, and we feel pretty confident with that. So um, we have had to push the date back a few months. We were hoping to launch already this month, but as you can imagine, it's been a huge undertaking with lots of um, mm. bumps in the road. Not bad bumps, good ones, you know, but um, it's just taking more time than we could have possibly anticipated. So we are saying now summer, and I feel very confident that we'll be able to already start getting people signed up for membership in June Uh, with access to the platform starting in June. So that is our ultimate goal. Um, but at, at the very least, we're going to be doing a pre-launch in June. So that means that we'll start taking registrations and creating memberships and getting people all on board with the platform and hopefully launching also in June, if not probably at the latest July. Mm. Well, first of all, good luck with uh, such incredible and uh very big project it always uh, looks like oh it's just videos but in fact there is so much work uh, behind it so I can only imagine the amount of hours and energy and the soul and love you need to put in uh, uh, each step of the building this project so good luck with it and I'm sure very exciting for many uh, people now to hear about such opportunity to study with you and uh, many other guest instructors sounds really exciting <laughs> yeah thank you so much i have a couple more questions that i'm dying to ask mm -hmm. and one of them uh, is from the point of view of teacher because you mentioned that teaching is uh, your calling and is very important part of your activity and life If you're talking about teaching in general, regardless of platform, is it online or in person at the workshops, what do you see as your main task or goal as a teacher in the ballet dance class? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think, you know, I'm starting to understand more and more what my gift is. So I think it, I, I don't think most people even realize what our true gifts are, um, I feel almost sometimes a little embarrassed that it's taken me so long to be able to really say, wow, I am good at this. And I really am for the first time starting to see what I'm good at. 
so what I do know is that teaching is really my calling in life. I'm a very good teacher and it comes through, you know, when I'm with my friends and I'm offering advice or I can listen or I can help, it comes through in my family life with my partnership and my child. And it comes through in pretty much everything I'm doing. Like I'm always finding a way to teach people something. So I just love to teach. I just have an extreme passion for it. So for me, when I'm teaching belly dance, it's interesting. I, I like to really try to see what it is that the person is wanting to get out of it as well. So one thing I try not to do is I try not to um, um, press onto anybody what they should feel or believe about the dance or their body or the way their body moves or the way their body should move or the way that the moves should be or the way that the moves should go. Um, of course, I have my methodology and I have um, the way that I like to break down movements and explain technique and, and philosophy of the dance. But for me, it's much more important that the person is able to tap into an organic process within themselves that the dance offers them so much more. So to me, belly dancing is so much more than just belly dancing. This is really a life philosophy to me um, that has changed my life in so many beautiful, incredible ways that I'm still discovering. And it's just feels like such a gift to me that I want to share with people. So, um, and the way that I do that is, is, is different. It just depends on the setting and it depends on with who, and it depends on what I'm going through in the moment. But I, I just want to give people joy and I want to give people happiness and I want to give people permission to meet themselves where they're at in that moment. I want to give people permission to connect with their body and feel their body because literally I think most people in life are walking around thinking of their body as a vehicle for their brain or their head and like walking around and don't even think of everything else that's happening from the neck down. You know, and so, uh, you know, that's for me, that's this concept of embodiment and what happens when you actually feel yourself contained within the whole body and not just your head, not just your brain and bringing balance to body, mind and spirit, because I think that is such an important way to live and such an important balance to have for health and for everything that's happening in all aspects and all areas of our lives. So my philosophy is quite spiritual and quite deep and it goes way beyond just the dance alone. And I think when people get onto a deep um, exploration with me, they discover that. And that's why they continue to train with me because they see that it's a life philosophy rather than just a, a philosophy towards a certain genre of dance. Mm. Well, I'm pretty sure it uh, shows and people feel in uh your classes, this uh, aspect of your approach to dance, because, uh, uh, to be honest, I was debating if to share this uh, short story or not, but now I just feel I have to. Uh, what happened, and I just launched the podcast, our very first interview was together with Marta Korzun, and she was talking about individual style a lot, and study process, and relationship between teacher and student, and how teacher can help to find students their own way and relationship with dance. And then after I released this that interview, I received a message from one of the listeners who was reflecting on the interview and her um, 
takes away from it, but she also referred to you because uh, she actually attended one of your retreats. And uh, I'm actually going to share one of the sentence from the message because it just has so much in it that I was uh, thinking, how can I ask those questions <laughs> uh, to, to get to touch those topics? But I just feel it will be much easier and more um, straightforward if I just share this sentence and then we can talk about your retreat and this uh, philosophy of combining dance practice and technique together with a lifestyle. But basically what... Um, she wrote was that Sadia always said that she doesn't want cookie cutter students. She really embraces us to be ourselves. And she also uh, heavily focuses on improvisation, which makes me feel so much better about the retreats. So it just has so much <laughs> in it that I'd like to touch base on. But uh, I know that retreats are big part of your activities and uh, they are very special they're different from any festivals or intensives uh, or any other common activities that we see usually in dance uh, scene today so can you please tell a little bit about your retreats and your concept and your idea behind uh, this kind of projects I think the best way that I could explain why I started doing retreats and why I actually started my training program, Rocked Flow, is because I started to feel, you know, once again, going back to my roots and my beginning, I started taking belly dance classes in the basement of my teacher's home. So this was her home. This was her sacred space. Her cats would come down there and hang out with us. She'd sometimes have sweets and treats for us. She'd sometimes have wine for us. We'd sometimes stay after class and go shopping and put on costumes that she had for sale. We'd hang out together. We would, you know, sometimes watch a movie or a show about belly dancing or, you know, so, I mean, she definitely had her professional line. It's not like, um, you know, it was just put your sleeping bag out and hang all day. I mean, she definitely was very professional, but I mean, there was this very beautiful space to connect with her and to, connect and create these friendships and this network of support. And okay, I don't want to um, fantasize that picture either, because I can also be the first one to tell you that there's a lot of cattiness and nastiness in this dance community too. So I definitely don't want to like blush over that with, oh, we're so supportive and sweet. Mm. Um, what I'm trying to say here is that that aspect of support and community and sisterhood was the thing that I really loved. Um, it's not that it was present all the time. It's that when it was present, it was so beautiful and something that I feel is so hard in Western culture for women to experience. We live in an extremely individualized society that you know, puts high value on things that take women away from our true nature. So um, this ability to experience a safe space, which once again is, it's really something that is a gift that I am really good at facilitating. So I don't think that anybody can just do this. I think it's kind of like not anybody can be a therapist, not anybody can be a doctor, not anybody can be a facilitator. But if you ask anybody who comes to one of my retreats or my rocks flow, they are flabbergasted because they're like, how do you every time, every single time create a space where there is no cattiness and women are not judging or being competitive or, 
being nasty or being this, that, or the other. And to be honest with you, I didn't know how it was happening at first. I just knew that the space that I create doesn't really, um, I wouldn't say allow, it just lets people just drop that stuff for a few days, you know, where they come in and it's just kind of like, they can feel my intention. They can feel my heart. They can feel the space that I create. And as the girls come in one by one, they do the same thing. Ah, I feel safe here. I feel good here. I, I understand why we're doing this. And it's just to let that crap go for a few days and just tap into a different way of being, you know, maybe a little bit more of a natural way of being without all this expectation and other stuff that we carry with us on a daily basis. And I think this is why people retreat at all. It's not just a belly dance retreat. So if you go to a retreat with a powerful facilitator at any retreat, you're going to get that kind of experience. So that is something to me that, you know, I feel that I'm gifted at and able to facilitate. And that's why I'm doing them more and more and getting the feedback that I'm getting from the people who come to the retreat so that they can, I don't know that you can feel your true connection to the dance or what the dance is able to offer you, or even what your true voice in the dance is until you can drop some of that other garbage. If you're constantly motivated by, oh, I have to have the prettiest costume and I have to have the most views on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. And once again, don't get me wrong. I'm motivated by those things from time to time too. But if I can't step out of that and truly genuinely connect to my real inner connection to the dance that is not motivated, motivated by those external factors, then I am not providing anything of value. And so that is what I try to create for these women and men who come into the retreat, that they can, they can start to explore that in a safe place. Cause I'll tell you what, if you're exploring that in a place you don't feel safe and you feel vulnerable, you're not going to mm-hmm. find it. And if you're exploring it on your own without somebody to maybe bounce some ideas off of you and help you, you know, really what I do is I give people confidence and I give them permission to know that they are beautiful and they are perfect just where they are in that moment. And they are amazing and they're on their journey, just like anybody, just like I was and to stop all the other stuff and just be in that moment with who they are and allow that to come into their dance. So yeah, we work on improvisation. We also do a ton of technique, but I think sometimes it's just the ability to be in a group of people. It's usually women Uh, We might have a man here or there come into the training program, but it is usually women. And I just think it's that connection and the friendships. I have seen so many beautiful business opportunities being created between my retreat members and um, my training because they develop really deep, trusting friendships and they're promoting each other and they trust each other and they're helping each other. And so, you know, I do have to admit it's, it's, it's a pretty beautiful experience. I have not felt that anywhere else outside of my, the, the retreats that I create. I mean, I haven't been to all the retreats, so I can't say it's not out there. I just, it is something that's very special to me that I've created that has been very dear to me since day one of belly dance class for me. It's that one thing that I just was like, wow, that this is incredible. And it's the one thing I've always held on to and said, I'm going to give this to people one day. This one little thing about belly dance I love so much. There's so many that is going to come in and be one of the things that I really offer people. So uh, that's why. That's why I do the retreats. That's why I do the Rocks Flow. And it's becoming more and more apparent to me that that's 
my gift in the world. You know, I, I didn't know that at first. It kind of started happening naturally. And, and now I'm able to actually say, wow, I'm really good at this. Let's up the ante. So I'm doing a lot of stuff on my own personal development and in mentorship programs myself to where I can develop myself as a coach and a person who can really uh, continue to bring really incredible facilitation to these experiences. That sounds uh, really beautiful and uh, fascinating. Do you have any upcoming retreats in the nearest uh, future that people can join? Yes, I have my fifth annual retreat in Switzerland. So this one is coming up in July. And anybody, I don't know how soon the, the podcast goes up, but um, we have an early bird through April 15th. But I could extend the early bird for anybody who's listening in on the podcast. They could just let me know. And that would get them $50 off. Um, so that's in Switzerland and we have about seven spaces left for that one. And that it's just, I, it, it's so unbelievable. I can't believe I found this place. It's literally on the top of one of the Swiss Alps and in farmland, the most beautiful little Swiss chalet. It smells like this beautiful wood and everything is home cooked meals, Swiss meals, like all organic food from the mm. garden and Swiss cheese from the Swiss cows eating Swiss, um, flowers and it's it's unbelievable so the swiss retreat's pretty magical um and then in november i almost always do the costa rica retreat which it looks like we will do that one again too so that's the first weekend in november so i do two retreats a year and looking at getting up some new locations though for 2019 so we're kind of scouting out a couple new spots for 2019 so people can kind of come to my social media or come to my website and get on the newsletter. That's usually the best way to get, you know, to your inbox direct information about what's happening or check the website here and there. Mm -hmm. I'll definitely also add uh, links to all uh, both retreats as well as your website. So for people, it's easier to find information and connect uh, right away. And hopefully um, they will uh, still be able to catch uh, Switzerland July uh, retreat because it sounds really amazing. <laughs> Before I ask uh, you our final podcast question, can you please tell uh, what is the easiest way for people to find you, to connect and follow your uh, dance activities? I still think the website is the best. I know I don't think everybody even uses websites anymore, but this is really the best way to get on there and you can see everything that I have to offer. The, the rocks online, the Rocks flow, the, the touring schedule so that I travel all over the world and people can see when and where I'll be, um, retreats. So everything is at the website, www.sadiebellydancer.com. Um, other than that, Facebook's pretty good. I mean, most of my stuff goes up there, but I would definitely say the website is the best place to go and just get the most accurate, up-to-date information on the tour schedule and all the things going on. Sounds good. I always end with uh, one signature question of this podcast that I ask all the time, regardless of the sort of main topic of our interviews and discussions throughout. And uh, the question sounds like this. What uh, makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again so that you keep doing it for so many years? I think it's honestly the the spiritual evolution and growth Um For me, uh, I've really come to a place where I'm understanding that the soul and the spirit has to be evolved through the body somehow. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. You know, whatever your spiritual beliefs may be, for me, 
it just doesn't seem like there would be a point to be here on this planet. If I have a soul outside of my body, that soul does not need to come here into this body if I'm not going to use this body. Um, dance is language without words. Dance is a way to express yourself and communicate yourself and in a safe way because it can be interpreted so many different ways. So you could really say something so vulnerable and sacred to you through your dance and it's safe. Um, nobody can reach you that way. You know what I mean? But yet at the same time, mm-hmm. you have this powerful, powerful opportunity to heal yourself and to give such a beautiful gift to your audience. I think it's that empowerment. So what, what draws me to a dancer and what draws me to why I keep doing this is that self-realization and that self-actualizing. I know that I have so much more growth ahead of me. And I know that dancing is pivotal in my journey in that. And I know that as I continue to step on the stage or present this, whether it's on a stage or not, it's always about me showing up who I am in that moment and growing as a woman, my journey as a woman and a human and a mother and a, all the different things that I am. And that when a person can see somebody else stand in their power and present themselves that way, that it allows them to also do the same. So I think really that's the power of art. And it's just what medium or modality of art that you may choose to express yourself. But for me, it's dance. That's really fascinating thank you for sharing uh well Sadia thank you so much for taking your time and uh, being here today on the podcast and sharing your experience and dance journey uh with us it was really interesting to hear about all aspects of what you do and especially about teaching aspect of your activities and uh, how much passion you have uh, and love to in to give into this uh, dance uh, art form and into your students and help them to develop their own dance personality as well as uh, their own uh, spiritual personality. Uh, So thank you so much for uh, sharing it. I know you have a very busy schedule. You're traveling tomorrow, so really appreciate (laughs) taking your time to to share a little bit of your awesomeness with us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really excited. There's a belly dance podcast. I'm a huge fan of podcasts. So it's time that we have a belly dance one. So thank you, Yana. And thank you so much for the opportunity. And thank you to everybody listening. And I hope to see you out there in the big, beautiful belly dance world somewhere. Guys. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast. As well as you can connect with me on social media by Yana Dance or Yana Komarnitska. I'm very active on Instagram as well as Facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life. And by the way, don't forget to subscribe to podcasts so you never miss a future episode. And until next time, keep shimming.